Hear now the word of the Lord. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of the guards, Fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed, and the story has been spread among the Jews to this day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. He is risen. He is risen indeed. This is how the early church Christians would greet each other, because the resurrection of Christ is the climax, the pinnacle, the zenith of Jesus' life, here on earth. In fact, the scriptures continue to reinforce this, like 1 Corinthians 15, 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. He is risen. He is risen indeed. This is how we ought to also greet one another. And hopefully as we explore and read and meditate on this passage, God will illuminate in our hearts and our spirits more and more why this is so amazing. We've read now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. So the Sabbath is over. The sun is coming up. It's starting to come up. And we see the woman that we read previously that I talked about on Good Friday. They are going to the tomb. Why? Well, in Mark, we see that it is because they had spices to anoint the body of Jesus. This is how you would honor the dead. By all of the disciples, women's, and Roman soldiers' accounts, by all of their accounts, Jesus was dead. Not half dead. Not a little dead. 
but completely dead. The Roman soldiers were expert executioners. They know when someone is dead. They executed people on the regular. This is why the devotional for Holy Saturday had mentioned that they would take a sledgehammer to people being crucified on the cross and they would break their legs to hurry and to expedite their death. If they wanted someone to die quickly, they would break their legs. And they didn't break the legs of Jesus because they saw that he was already dead. Not only that, when they pierced his side, blood and water gushed out. That meant his heart literally exploded because all the intense pressure of the crucifixion. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. They knew when someone was dead. And so Jesus wasn't just really injured and his healing powers were going to kick in. He was dead. So knowing that Jesus had died, these women were now going to the tomb after the Sabbath, early Sunday morning. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Look, there's a huge earthquake. And an angel descends from heaven, comes, rolls back the stone, and then sits on it. Uh, why? You might ask, if you just read it word for word, why would you roll back the stone and then sit on it? And we'll get to that in a bit. And Matthew describes his appearance. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. That's an appearance that would hurt the eyes. You know, we dress nicely so that we don't hurt the eyes. I saw in the video, the music video, that a lot of our women singers dress nicely, which is good. And the male singers, they at least put on a t-shirt, so I'm thankful for that. At least they weren't topless. But there's an appearance that we want to portray. I mean, we, like, I don't think any of them shaved, but it's okay. I mean, the song was good. But the appearance would be that that would hurt our eyes. That's how crazy this angel was. And it made the guards like dead men. They fell to the ground. It hurt not just painful, like, oh, you could have dressed a little better, you could have shaved. It was like lightning. Imagine staring into lightning that is continually there, not just a blip or a flash. And they fell to the ground. That's the imagery that we see here. So why did the angel roll back the stone? Was it to let Jesus out? He's like, God's going to send the angel. All right, go wake Jesus up. It's time for his morning alarm clock. Make sure he doesn't snooze. Was it to let Jesus out? And the answer is no. Jesus is recorded after his resurrection. Jesus is recorded to have gone through walls. Doors couldn't have kept him back after his resurrection. 
So why did the angel roll back the stone? And the hint is that he sat on it. The answer to that, the hint is that he sat on it. He rolled back the stone and sat on it for the woman. Remember how they were the only ones, besides angels, that would minister to Jesus during his life. And now they get to witness the angel and the empty tomb. Mind you, the angel does not address the soldiers. He addresses the woman. And the women are able to understand what's going on. The Roman soldiers are probably still like dead men because of the terrifying appearance of the angel. In verse 5 it says, But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. Okay, any time in the Bible we see that someone go to someone, even if it's not in the Bible, even if it's to someone else, if we go, do not be afraid, that means you are afraid, right? You don't go, do not be afraid when someone's not scared. So they were also struck with great fear because they were afraid because of the angel. But he knows why they've come to see Jesus' body. So he rolls back the stone, why? To show them. This is where you laid the body. Remember when they put Jesus' body in the tomb? You were sitting across from the tomb. Remember that just a few verses before this chapter? And look, he is not there. He is not here, for he is risen. The angel shows the woman. And then the angel gives the woman instructions. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen and that he's going before you to Galilee. There are multiple prophecies. I want to remind you that Jesus had told the disciples, even in Matthew chapter 6, 26, 32, as he foretells Peter's denial, that he would meet them in Galilee. So now the angel is reiterating what Jesus had told the disciples. Go ahead to Galilee and tell them that Jesus will meet you there. Why Galilee? Well, it was in Galilee that Jesus would ultimately reveal himself to over 500 brothers, it's recorded. And from Galilee is where we see Jesus give the Great Commission. But Jesus meets people before and during the trip before he gives the Great Commission. But this is ultimately where he wants all his disciples to end up. Not just the 11, but all of them. So with fear, it's recorded, and great joy, they started to run. They started to run. In verse 9, another behold. There's three beholds in this passage. Behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings, which is from the word Cairo, which just means, hey, what's up? And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. He just shows up to the woman. And he gives them the first glimpse of his resurrected body. And he goes, hi. 
How awesome is this picture? You know, when I look at this picture, I imagine how we will respond when we finally see Jesus in heaven. I imagine him just saying, what's up? And me grabbing a hold of his feet and worshiping him saying, finally, I get to see you in person. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. He says the exact same thing the angels say. So why does he repeat it? Did he need to repeat it? They were already obeying the angel. But he did it for the woman. He did it for the people he loved. And this is the incredible, incredible love and grace that we see in Jesus Christ. He encourages them to go to Galilee. And so they continue. And they go all the way to Galilee. Now, this is the resurrection account on Easter morning. This is where people will see and recognize in this writing, Jesus is alive. This is why we as Christians, ever since this day, have not met on the Sabbath or the seventh day, but now we meet on Sunday, the first day. It's in all of the New Testament when we gathered on the first day, when we gathered on the first day. This is why, because all of our gathering is now centered on this. You know, technically, we don't need an Easter holiday to celebrate Easter. We don't need to wait till Easter to say he is risen. Every first day of the week is a reminder that he is risen. That's why we meet on the Lord's Day. And this is what it's called in the book of Revelation. The first day is called the Lord's Day. They didn't have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in the Hebrew calendar. They just had the first day, second day, third day, and sixth day, and then the Sabbath. And everything was around the Sabbath, right? So the day before the Sabbath, the day after the Sabbath, that's how they would talk. But after Jesus' resurrection, look at the language that's changed among all the believers in Christ. They will call it the Lord's Day. And now all of our gathering, all of our time is situated and it revolves around this day, the Lord's Day. That's what we gather on the Lord's Day. For 2,000 years, the disciples of Jesus have gathered on the Lord's Day to say to each other and hear from each other, He is risen. He is risen indeed. And this is why Sunday is such an exciting time for us. It points to that one day we will see Jesus and he's going to say greetings and we will grab a hold of his feet and worship him. Now there is an extra little add-on here from verses 11 to 15. And if you've read the devotional on Saturday, we know that this is now some, what looks somewhat like an epilogue of what is going on from when the chief priests hired these guards to like, guard the tomb of Jesus so they wouldn't steal the body away. 
And so here in verse 11 is the third behold of this passage. While they were going, behold, so look, some of the guard, not all of the guard, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. We go back to the Roman soldiers and they go back to the chief priests. They're not going to lie. I mean, what could they possibly lie about? So that's why some of them went, not all. Because one could imagine after seeing this, they would say, I'm out. I'm done. I'm out. But those that went back told the chief priests what they saw. And we see the chief priests and elders convene. This is a formal convening, a gathering, a meeting, a session one more time. This time, it's to handle this current crisis. In the chapter before, we saw the chief priests anxious and afraid. What if Jesus' body gets stolen? So they took extra measures. They went to Pilate. This is public record. Pilate goes, you have guards, take them, guard the tomb yourself. So they seal the tomb. They have guards placed around the tomb. It's public record. But yet the tomb still ends up empty. What do we do? So this is what they do. They take A, and here it's recorded as, and it's translated as, sufficient. The actual word means substantial. And we'll see why. They take a substantial amount of money to have the guards tell people that Jesus' disciples came by the night and stole him away while they were guarding the tomb. Because you were sleeping. <laughs> this makes no sense. They were precisely hired to stay awake and guard the tomb. They had one job. And this would mean not just a firing, but potential imprisonment and even death. This is going to take a lot of money. And they give them that money, a substantial amount of money. And not only that, they guarantee their safety by saying, we'll talk to the governor, which is Pilate. We'll talk to Pilate. He's not going to get you in any kind of trouble because they already had Pilate in their pockets. So they knew they could manipulate him. And it says here, at the time of the writing of Matthew, they were still spreading these lies. Why would Matthew record this? Why record a negative account of the resurrection? Why not just the positive affirmations? Because there are a ton of positive accounts of the resurrection. We see that in all four Gospels, all the accounts and testimonies of Jesus being risen and Jesus visiting the people, ultimately over 500 people would see Jesus alive when they get to Galilee. Why record the negative one? Because even the negative ones show that Jesus is risen. 
Even the negative accounts show that Jesus is risen. Anyone reading these accounts and who would have heard the story that the Roman soldiers were told to spread would have had to think to themselves at least once exactly the thoughts I shared with you. Mm, Why weren't they punished? They had one job. One job. Wait, why are they even still alive? And why are they going around telling people that they failed at this one job? Secondly, if you were asleep, how do you know who stole the body? Didn't you just say you fell asleep? Bro, your story just doesn't make sense. The puzzle pieces, they just don't fit together. Thirdly, yes, there is a thirdly, if the disciples really stole the body, why didn't the chief priests and soldiers go after them? It's a crime to rob graves. And this would have been an especially severe crime because they sealed the tomb. They put their seal on it. It just doesn't make sense. And yet, This is what they had been saying. This is to show us that every event and every circumstance that surrounded the resurrection of Christ shows us that Jesus is truly risen. Indeed, he is risen. Now, every Christian since that day has not met on Saturday, the Sabbath, but met on the first day of the week. It's named the Lord's Day because Christ crushed death and evil and he emerged victorious. Now all of life revolves around the fact that Jesus is risen. And this is why today is such a special day. Today is a day where we can emphatically exclaim, He is risen! And we can respond with the equal or even more emphasis and joy. He is risen indeed! In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. This is what we practice in obedience with the scriptures. We also confess to one another today, he is risen, he is risen indeed. Praise be to God, praise be to our almighty King. Praise be to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this incredible account that we get to see, hear, read, witness through your Holy Spirit and through the scriptures. We thank you that through your resurrection, we also, following in your footsteps, have new life. 
And just as the scriptures say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Lord, this is exactly what we do by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for this incredible gift of faith. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And today we celebrate the Lord's Day. Oh God, we pray that this church, your church, would ever give you praise and worship. Be lifted up in our confession, be lifted up through our obedience to the scriptures, be lifted up in our lives. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen.